does the perfect posture exist? Uh, no, no, it does not. <laughs> Welcome to the Fitness FAQs podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Vadnell, Australian physiotherapist and calisthenics expert. All right, everyone, I'm excited to introduce to you Josh from StrengthSide. He's making a massive impact in the fitness industry. Josh, for those that don't know StrengthSide, how would you explain your philosophy? I have to start with my background a little bit. When I first got into um, like the fitness industry and whatnot, I was um, I was really focused on uh, like trying to be someone that uh, was doing the things that I that I thought were like popular, and I, that I I was essentially like reaching for like validation from others, and and I was like trying to validate myself, right? And, um, eventually I just, I took that so far that I got to a point where my body was really breaking down. I had a big injury. I tore my meniscus and I just had to like rethink everything about how I felt about fitness and, and my movement practice. And, you know, that that's always been such a big part of my life is, is movement. And essentially I came to a place where, I, I just wanted to turn what I was doing physically into something that I really enjoyed and um, something that like made me feel good and, and filled me up rather than the opposite of that. Um, so now like that's turned strength side philosophy basically into just using movement to uh, learn about yourself and furthermore to improve your life and, and to kind of step in and become uh, the person that you want to be. Great. And I noticed that the cornerstone of strength side tends to be quite body weight based. What would you say are the main benefits of having calisthenics as a foundation of a movement practice? Absolutely. Yeah. That's um, so when I started out, I was mainly weights based and uh, I have found so much value in calisthenics and body weight movement. And uh, one of the big reasons for that is because I think it forces you to um, be a bit more intelligent about your movement, right? And to, um, you know, there's to most body weight movement, there's a little bit more of a skill component than like the traditional lifts that you would maybe see in, in a gym. And um, I think that it gives you such a good base of strength and if done properly in the right way, mobility. And it also gives you that like higher like physical intelligence, um, to be able to map out your body and to like feel what's going on to your body, to connect deeper to your body. And then eventually you can take that into, um, learning more and more higher levels, higher level skills. If that's your choice, if you want to do that. What would you say the biggest differences are between calisthenics and weight training? Well, okay. First off, I want to say that I'm not against weights in any way. I think both are, are great. You know, sometimes like it comes off as like, Oh, Josh, like hates the gym. And like, he's only body weight. Like that's not the case at all. Um, but I think that for a lot of us, we're kind of seeking more of this learning, uh, type of practice in, in calisthenics really, really gives that to you. Like, there is this skill component. So it turns it into a little bit more of like a sport. Like you're not only becoming stronger, but you're learning how to coordinate your body 
you're learning about balance and, and, and all these, these different things that come with more of a, um, a sports approach or just like a activity approach, um, rather than like weights is a, a bit more traditional, but at the same time, I think that sometimes like lifting weights can be easier on the nervous system. Um, I, I think that like, if, if you're, if you're an athlete, let's say you're like, you're a football player, you're using a lot, like you're already doing a lot of that, that coordination and that nervous system driven, um, like output. So in that case, it might be better just to, you know, use a leg press to get your strong or get your legs stronger and then be able to go take that on the field into your sport. I like that you make the distinction straight away at the start of the podcast that you're not overly dogmatic because that's why yeah. people connect with your message at StrengthSide, Josh, because you have the awareness to be like, okay, this is good for this context and this is good for that situation. This is why I want to ask you, why do you think that in the fitness industry, people tend to focus on just one thing? It's like, I'm just going to do calisthenics. I'm just going to do the stretching stuff. I'm just going to do weights. What, why do you think that that's rife in our industry? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such an interesting question. I, I think, I think there's multiple reasons. I think um, that you get comfortable with doing one thing and stepping outside of that box is really uncomfortable. Right. And to be get, to be a beginner at something like, the first stages, um, you're, you're totally out of your comfort zone. And that can be, that can be really tough. And, um, that can kind of send you deeper into your, your own, your thing that you're getting yourself into. And you become very like biased in that, that thing. And, and you surround yourself with people who, who are doing that thing. You surround yourself with like media that's really supporting that thing. And you're like in this echo chamber of like, this is the best. And, um, it, it, it gets harder and harder to like look up from there and to be like, Oh, wow. There's a lot of other like movement subcultures that are really valuable as well. And that, that, that's what I, I really have made a big focus on, especially over the last years is to like, not think that my thing is the absolute best I'm biased because this is the thing that I've done for so long. And that creates like these experiences that I've had. And that's, that's beautiful. That's what we all have. And that's what we can all share. But at the same time, like, I want to be able to acknowledge, wow, that practice is really, really cool. I can see the value in it. Um, yeah. So I think at the end of the day, it just, it, 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 it can be harder to, um, to be in multiple fields. Um, but it, at the same time, it can be really, really re rewarding as well. I think you're hundred percent right on that community aspect. We tend to gravitate towards people who are doing the same thing. And especially with the way that the internet is structured now, it's going to keep showing you more of what you're interested in. So if you're yeah. currently doing the calisthenics stuff, you're only going to hear about calisthenics. So yeah, this is why I think that well-rounded approach is fantastic, but mm. it requires you to be quite active in your pursuit of different knowledge in different areas. And that's something that we've all got to take responsibility for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And it, it, it's challenging, but um, if you... 
you know, if you start to get used to being a little bit more uncomfortable, that can be really valuable for uh, you outside of just like the physicality part, but like just being an adaptable human being, which makes you like more resilient and, and, um, it can make you more interesting too. Like if you're just the guy who can only talk about like deadlifts, right? Like that was me at one point in my life. And, um, I remember I actually took a, I took a trip. I went to Costa Rica and it was like the first time I really traveled out of my country. And I remember just like, being surrounded by all these travelers and like people really interesting and stuff. And like, all I really could talk about was like stuff that involved like the gym, you know? And I was like, man, like I, I, I would love to just be someone who um, is more interesting and, and can like talk about different topics and, and whatnot. So um, yeah, yeah. It can really affect your life outside of the gym as well. Yeah, I feel you with the travel stuff. It's if you're being described as boring or you feel like you're boring, it's probably the biggest highlight that you need to seek a a well-rounded approach. And I love that fact because it's like, if you can learn about different areas in fitness, then it's going to apply to other things and you can just take it anywhere and the sky's the limit. But I will warn people though, once you start to, open your horizons, open your perspective like this. It's very normal to feel, I guess, overwhelmed and probably it highlights the fact that we don't really know everything because if all you did was deadlift, like, like Josh was an absolute beast at just doing the deadlift in that world, he was the king. But as soon as you realize there's more beyond that, there's more to a physical practice, then it, that's probably the best way to humble you. Oh, that's, that's such a good point, man. Yeah, it is very humbling. So humbling. And um, yeah, that, I think we all need to be humbled like quite a bit in our lives and that, that can really do it for you. Why would you say in fitness, generically speaking, it's all about aesthetics, appearance and personal records, because that seems to be a bit of a different approach to what you're doing these days. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it, it, it's easier to sell, you know, it looks good. There's, there's sex appeal, you know, there's, um, and, and there's a lot of satisfaction in seeing people do like really impressive feats and, and big lifts and whatnot. Um, and I, I don't think that like, there's anything wrong with that. Like you should share your best stuff that, that that's what we're all doing as humans. But I think over time it can start to create a culture that, you know, values like, big muscles and, and, um, and, you know, like what you can, like what you can do and what's impressive over like, how do you actually feel? And like, you know, how do you move in this, in this world? And, you know, we're, we're in this age of influencers right now. Right. Whereas like, as long as you look good, then people will, people will watch your stuff essentially. And, um, I, I mean, I think that's why it's important for, you know, people who have put like a lot of time into a discipline, you know, people like yourself who have gone deep into a practice and can actually like share that there's like substance there. And it's, it's, it's about a little bit more than just like what's on the surface level and those external things and like what, what this practice can, can teach you about life. And ultimately, like it can lead to, you know, more, more confidence, um, more just like learning lessons and, 
and, um, and transforming yourself in all aspects of life. For sure. And the brutal reality of it is that like, we're quite superficial just by design. Like we're right. If we see something that's impressive, like you said, it, it, it stops us in our tracks. Or if we see a good physique, it's, you can, you can discern the difference between that and the average Joe, so to speak. But I think the real difference is there's nothing wrong with that. It's just offering substance beyond that. I think that that is the ultimate, if you can get that combination. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think that like, hmm. you get what I mean, right, Josh? Cause it's like, you could say all the right things, have the best message, but if right. you don't have at least some physicality to like back it up, the world's pretty harsh. The, just not going to listen. They'll just look to the next thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's why, like, you know, no matter what, like what branch of fitness you're in, you're like, the physique says something about you a little bit, right? Like we can't totally ignore it. Like the physique actually says a lot about your character that you're disciplined and that you actually like know what you're talking about and that you've been through it. Um, but I do think that there's, there's other qualities and maybe that's why you know, people gravitate towards certain teachers on YouTube and stuff. And um, like, I, I was actually having this conversation the other day and it's like, a lot of the time, like you can feel something in someone's voice, right. And, and like someone can speak from a place of like being really passionate and uh, being there, like knowing that that person has experienced a lot while another person can be saying all the right words. They can have like a great vocabulary and a great way of presenting it, but like, there's no feeling there. And a lot of the time we're going to gravitate towards that person that has that passion and that can like put that across when they're, when they're speaking. Yeah. Because it's such a strange industry where you've got say one end of the spectrum, you've got the person with the PhD who's knows all of the research statistically can just give you facts on facts on facts, but they don't live in the world. Or you have right. someone else who's just maybe not very good at articulating their thoughts. Maybe they haven't had experience with teaching people, and but they're an absolute savage. It's, right. it's such a strange dichotomy between the two. It is. It is. And if you, I think it's like when you find like the middle of that, like you can do a little bit of both, then that's when it's like, oh yeah, like this guy, I really just want to listen to this guy um, or girl, and I like want to learn from them, and it's it's just nice being around them or, or yeah. just like watching their content or whatever. It's just, it's a thing that sometimes you can't really describe, but you just know it. I definitely get what you mean with just having that presence. And you can tell they've walked that road. They're saying it. it's not just emptiness, but what I find as well, if it's, if we just want to close this topic up, if yeah. what I've found is that if you focus on the process of doing the training to a high standard, you're going to eventually get the PRs and the appearance over time. But I find that it's just, it's hard to make the distinction. But if it's like, if you're just doing quality work and you're objectively improving over time, you're going to get the stuff that superficially, you know, the average person wants. I love that. I love that. I couldn't agree more. And um, I think that... Like I've always been a huge fan of just like telling people to like prioritize a performance goal over 
like a physique goal or like a more of like a numbers goal, like, like go out there and learn how to do muscle ups or go out there and challenge yourself to learn a handstand. And it's like, I, you know, I've never seen someone that can do, you know, five handstand pushups and, and doesn't like have good shoulders. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and it's just a way more like gratifying experience to go through that and to get that physique on the back end, like secondary, but it's still there. It still comes. Um, but you also like get this really like rich experience of, uh, going after something and attaining something. Exactly. And I feel that that's a transition. I see a lot of people starting in aesthetics, starting in bodybuilding, their mindset would be going to a session. I'm doing this exercise to absolutely destroy my delts. And I've got to, yeah. I've got to chase the pump. I've got to get the burn. And uh-huh. they're, they're going to get to the same situation as someone that's doing handstand pushups, relatively speaking. Right. 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 But you know, it's the, the intentions are a bit different, right? Yeah. Which comes yeah. on to what I would like to help unpack myself and give the listeners some guidance. How would you go about reframing from say a, external perspective of trying to achieve something as opposed to an internal do you have any strategies yeah um so the two things that pop to mind are number one i really like to for myself and people i work with uh write down my goals and then i like to use um because statements so like if i have the goal that i want to um I don't know, do a front lever, then I, I, I want to write like, because like, because it'll just look good on Instagram and like other people will, will like that. Like, that's not a really good reason to go for it. But if like the, because is like, because like this movement is just so appealing to me, it looks so cool. I know when I achieve it, like I'm going to have like these strong, really strong, like lats and like be able to like really pack my scapula down and whatnot and like learn about my shoulders and the process and everything like that's a really good goal right and you can do that you can do that for everything and you know furthermore I really just like to uh ask myself like what's exciting me um in this period of my life you know and that that's that's one of the things that like I've learned along the way is that the like those, those feelings that excite you about a a specific movement or, or a type of, or like a a discipline or something like those should be honored. And you should, you should like really follow those. And if that means like quitting something that you've been working on for a long time, like you just think you have to keep doing the, the deadlifts for instance, because like people on the internet say that deadlifts are the best way to get strong. Like you don't necessarily need to do anything like if something like if breakdancing is really, really appealing to you, go do breakdancing for a while, you know, like honor, honor that passion inside you, essentially. That's fantastic advice. And it's the most difficult thing sometimes is knowing what you want. And mm. if, if you don't know what you want, then you're going to gravitate towards maybe what's mainstream, what's popular. Not that there's anything bad with that, but if it doesn't resonate with your level of enjoyment, then you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to work as hard. So that's, that's really solid advice, Josh. Thanks. Yeah. And I I love the way that you put that too. And and I'd also add to just be open to your interests changing a little bit. Like, uh, 
yeah like sometimes i think like it's um i forget what you call it but it's like when you put so much time into something then it's really hard to to leave it but like if the interest isn't there anymore like you have to be able to like okay i'm going to shift my focus and and i'm going to like leave that thing and you can always come back to that thing that's a great thing with with training is like we're going to be able to train for for quite a long time and um you can explore different things and like that thing that was super interesting to you five years ago might become really interesting to you again. And you'll have new eyes to be able to see it a little bit differently too. What you're referring to is the sunk cost fallacy. So if someone was chasing chasing a heavy deadlift and maybe they were close to achieving their goal, but they're feeling burnt out, maybe having some niggles, aches and pains, but then they start to see, maybe what you're doing at strength side and they see these Nordic curls and they're like, that looks, <laughs> yeah. that looks, that looks pretty sick. I'd love to get those, those razor hamstrings. Right. Nothing wrong with switching gears, as Josh said, and aligning how you want to train with how you really want to train. Yeah, absolutely. Just to switch things now, because you've become quite popular in the space of movement, flexibility, range of motion, mobility, that whole world. I want to dive into some topics, starting with posture. Does the perfect posture exist? Uh, no, no, it does not. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I mean, okay, like we could say there are positions that could be better than others, but to say there's a perfect posture kind of implies that we're like static creatures, right? And we're not, we're constantly in motion. And um, I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard uh, you've used the phrase like, the, the best posture is the next posture. Right. And like, I love that. I love that so much because, uh, we should be like just honoring that, like, we're always going to be moving. We're always going to be, um, uh, in motion and, um, you're not going to fix like your entire body or your entire being by, oh, let me set myself in this great posture right here. Right. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great way to, to summarize it. And, I think the distinction should be made between just maybe resting postures and like postures involving heavy loads. I think this is where the argument Mm -hmm. is made. So for people listening, it's like if you bend down and touch your toes with a rounded back, that's going to be quite safe. It's a normal movement of daily living. But I mean, if you were to do a heavy Jefferson curl and you're not prepared, you haven't progressively overload those tissues over time, that could be seen as quote unquote dangerous, but I think it really, it really depends, but I like the way you put it. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. But a part of the reality of being humans and living is we sit. So Josh and I are sitting now would probably rather be squatting or hinging or moving around while having this conversation. But um, how would you recommend strategies for maybe people reducing the stiffness and tightness from sitting at work, et cetera. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I really like what you said there. Like we're sitting right now and um, sitting is just something that we have to do. And it's not like the ultimate worst thing in the world, right? Like you can sit for a little while, um, but I think like you should also try to mix that up, right? You can sit on the ground, you can kneel, you can stand for a while. You can, you know, you can, uh, like make your environment something that, um, more like, 
uh, invites you to be in different positions, right? You can keep the the uh, pull-up bar in the doorway so you can take a quick break and go hang for a little bit, right? Um, I think an, another another thing that's a little bit more like, you know, esoteric or so is just to um, make sure that you're concentrating on your breath a bit, right? Like usually the bad postures that we get ourselves into and we're hunched at the computer correlate with this like shallow breathing pattern through the chest a lot. So just like every now and again, check in with yourself, take a deep breath into the belly, make sure you're using your diaphragm a little bit. Right. Um, and listen to your body, like your body's going to tell you, like you're going to be aching or you're going to be like tapping if you need to, <laughs> if you need to move around a little bit. Um, so do that. For sure. And I'll expand on that point that you said about just the being aware of your, your posture and position and stuff. Often it's a manifestation of your internal state too. So we know from mm. just different research on psychology and whatnot, if someone's not in a good place, they're going to be quite reserved, quite hunched, quite closed off. You look, if you're walking on the street, you can tell someone that's not in a good headspace. Maybe they're looking down they're They're not very open to the world. Whereas someone that is, you know, ticking all the boxes in their life, they're going to be up, expansive, open. So maybe that's just food for thought as well. That's it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And nothing wrong with just finding different ways just in everyday life. So it's like if you're taking a train, you can always stand up. So there's, there tends to always be options, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There there always is. And that like, that's great. I, I love that. And like, yeah, decide to like, walk to um the grocery store sometimes right like instead of sitting in the car or um like i ride i love to ride my bike to when i'm gonna go out to a park and, and do some training like just gets like a little bit of extra movement in my day and i get to experience fresh air on me and whatnot and um yeah just like finding the the small ways that can really like shift your posture and more to what you said though like shift your uh emotional state as well now, of course, people listening to the Fitness FAQs podcast would be into their training several times a week. How would you go about maybe not separating, but integrating more range of motion and movement into, say, traditional calisthenics? Number one is that you can use your strength training as you know, like a double approach. Like you can get gain mobility through your strength training. Um, if you're smart about it, right? So if you're getting that full hang at the bottom of your pull-ups, getting a little like lat stretch in there. Yeah. Um, if you are say breaking up like squatting with doing some split squats to stretch that, that back hip, right. There, there's like these, there's like these exercises that can be high bang for your buck in both strength and mobility. So I would say to, you know, do your research there and to be smart about what you're doing. And, you know, if you're just like training front lever and, and planche all day long, then yeah, like your shoulder, you know, you're going to be like packing that lat down your lat's going to get really strong, but you got to reach your arm over your head too. Right. And that's going to like mitigate some of, um, all of that, that strength training. So that that's one thing that we've tried to like do here at strength, at strength side, but also in my personal practice is like 
if I'm doing a lot of pulling, then I might like put some bridging in my, my program to, to offset that. Right. And I think that can be really valuable for most people is I know that we tend to gravitate towards the strength skills. I know I do like that's the stuff that I really love doing and want to focus on, but to keep like one flexibility goal in your programming at all times, I think is really good. So say it's the back bridge or say it's the front splits or something like that. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to get the middle splits, the front splits, the bridge. You don't have to do all that at the same time, but pick one and work on it for a training phase or a few months or six months. And then assess where you're at and then maybe pick a new goal. That has excellent application. And I wish that if I was listening to this advice when I was in my early days of training would have saved me so much time and effort trying Mm. to build that range of motion. So just applying a full range of motion to all of your movements is literally going to give you the best of all worlds because you'll arguably build more muscle because you're taking the muscle through a greater stretch, a greater squeeze, and you're going to maintain and improve that range of motion as opposed to just doing like a good example would be just doing shallow push-ups. You're not going to get a huge right. stretch through your pecs. You're going to have limited shoulder extension. Same right. thing with what you said, Josh, with the, the pulling. If you're staying quite close at the, at the hang position, you're never going to be able to lift that arm overhead because it's, right. it's unfamiliar. But I also, I also like... In addition to doing that, easier said than done, of course, but picking a mobility goal that is a weakness of yours and, and doing that because you're, if you're training smart, using a full range, you're going to be having quite good overall mobility in those patterns. But of course, we all have an area of our body that has limitation. Maybe it's your hip flexors. So picking, picking a position that improves that and being laser-focused that'll pay dividends for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I completely relate to you, Daniel, on like my early days, I wish I would have been doing this more, you know, I had to place so much catch up yeah, <laughs> because yeah. of that, because I wasn't. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and I think, I think that is actually like a good, um, just training advice as well is to like, not try to do everything, but to really like pick for like a phase of like something that you really want to focus on and, and really go hard into that thing. And, um, you know, I, like I said before, like, or actually, I don't think I said this before, but, um, there's always like, like I did say it before, we have a long training age and like in a year, you'll be able to focus on that thing that, you know, that you kind of want to focus on right now, but you know that you should really just be like sticking to this one thing or sticking to the plan. You can get to that next thing in a year and two years. It'll still be there for you. I like how you're already premeditating my questions over here. You've, um, you've, sw- <laughs> you've swapped roles. It's the, it's the perfect topic. And this is going to help people so much. It's yeah. what, you're, what you're referring to, Josh, is fear of missing out essentially it's like exercise mm. exercise fomo so yeah we're in this world which is great we're appreciating that there's so many different things we can do gain all of these benefits how do you cut the noise and focus and improve do you have any helpful tips man well i have to say like this is something i'm constantly working on right like i <laughs> i'm not the master of this but i will share um like I'll share more so like the experience that I've gathered over the years is that 
in order to like improve something, you got to spend a good amount of time doing it, right? Like you're not going to do something for a few weeks and see a result. You got to do something for a few months, a few years, maybe. Right. So uh, I always try to like put on like the hat of like, I'm a researcher here. And in order to get a result or just gather information, I got to like have the right amount of data to, to get those results. And that's going to take some time of doing something. So I can't just like flip flop around all the time. Right. Um, now there, like another thing that I would say is, is, uh, just going easy on the social media, right? Like the social media, when you're going through that feed, you see somebody, Oh, wow. Well, this guy's doing this stretch. That looks really good. Well, I think I'm going to like swap that stretch out for this one. Da, 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 da. It's like, Hmm. I enjoy social media sometimes as well, but like the more that I'm on it and the more that I'm scrolling, the more I get that FOMO. So I, I try to really limit my use there. Oh, for sure. And it's challenging for us as creators, but I'm sure everyone else that's on there with friends or just consuming the content feels the same thing. It's like, we're part of this community. So we want to see what everyone else is up to, to get inspiration, motivation, just chat with everyone. But then it's like, we forget as well that they're focused on a few things and that's why they're achieving such greatness with, with that. But then, but then you're right. There's only so many things you can do at once, but then I think it comes back to expectations too. It's like, yeah, you could do a ton of stuff, but you're either going to be fairly similar day to day, week to week, month to month, or your progress is going to be super slow. Absolutely. Yeah. And you kind of got to learn that over time, you know, like, I don't know, is there a necessary like uh, mess up that most people have to go through in this? Like maybe, you know, um, but, but you will, you will learn it if you're, if you spend enough time doing this and essentially like, or eventually you like really internalize it and you know, like, just got to put your head down and, and do your work. I think you're right. You need to go through it and experience yourself. Cause same thing with like, same thing with like injuries. It's like people know not to do too much too soon, but you almost need to cross that line and get some form of mild ache or discomfort to be like, oh, okay, me doing that much more doesn't return progress and it starts to do adverse things to my body. Yes. So I, I'm yes. with you with that. I think you need to experience that point and then just say, okay, I'm going to pick what I want to do and, and do me. Right. Right. And just, you know, just experience it a little bit and listen to me and Daniel and learn from, from our mistakes. <laughs> That's it. We speak from a place of experience, right? That's why yeah. we can um, say this and joke about it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Today's sponsor for the show is Fitness FAQs. Use the coupon code podcast 10 to save 10% at checkout when shopping on fitnessfaqs.com. Enjoy the discount and let's get back to the conversation. What are your thoughts on the concept of bulletproofing joints specifically? Mm, yeah. Well, it's a really catchy phrase. That much, I like but... using it as well myself too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think that like um, bulletproofing to me, like really, I just think of it as like preparedness, right? And the, the more prepared I can be to, uh, to do a certain activity and to handle a little bit of chaos, then the better. Right. So like, I think sometimes we think of bulletproofing as like, Oh, there's these special bulletproof exercises, but 
I mean, like, honestly, like different variations of squats can be just perfect bulletproofing exercises for your lower body, right? Like it doesn't have to be all this special, um, techniques that only the experts know. Um, and, but, but I do think that with, you know, with the right preparedness, if you put time into preparing and capacity, then you'll be like, you'll be more resistant to injury. Uh, I think injury is kind of like a part of life, especially the more chaotic type situations you're putting yourself into, but you can always be more prepared to handle them for sure. How do you know when you're going across that line? Because I feel that people tend to want to get more resilient, but then that comes with, you've got to push your body beyond the comfort zone, Mm. but try not to under train yourself versus doing too much and injuring yourself. Any, any approach that you'd recommend for having awareness of that? Mm, Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good question. I think it is something that needs to be like really uh, internalized um, for you. Like you need to take time to understand your body, but generally, like I like to think of it as like, if something is, you know, back to the breath, if something is taking me out of my regular breathing pattern, then it might be a little bit too much for my body. Cause that's a sign from your nervous system. That's like, Whoa, Whoa, what's going on. Right. So flirting with the edge there, getting slightly out of the comfort zone, but uh, enough to where you still have control and regulation of your, your nervous system of your breathing and everything that for me tends to be the sweet spot. Um, and the other advice is just to take it really slow, right? There's no race to get bulletproof knees or, or whatever, right? Like, um, you can go slow or you need to go slow actually. And, uh, gradually over time, like you'll see, oh, wow. Like I can handle more and more. Uh, it's just like training the body in any other way. For sure. And it's a difficult concept to really discuss because it's quite an internal practice that so you can't really put yeah. numbers on it as much. But I think that in addition to what you said, it's just being aware that if you are dealing with a lot of global stress in your life, maybe you're not sleeping as much, maybe nutrition hasn't been as good, or you're dealing with some stuff in your personal life, just yeah. be aware that that might not be the time to push the, push the intensity. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Always managing stress. That's, that's like what we're always doing essentially. Yeah. For sure. Why is it that when we get older, Josh, we tend to lose flexibility? Is it a given or can we do something about it? Mm. (laughs) Um, So my experience of that has been typically when someone says like, oh, like I'm inflexible because I'm old. uh, it, It really just means that you know, you stopped using a certain range of motion for a long time and, and now you're stiff because of it. All right. Like if, if I choose to just like be a runner for like throughout my thirties and then I get to 40 and I say, well, I'm inflexible now because you know, I'm getting old. It's, it's probably more to do with like, I haven't been nourishing and using the ranges of motion of my body for the last 30 years. I've just been going really hard and running or something. Right. So I, th- I think it's not age. It's, it's more of a lack of, of maintaining and in, in using your joints. And, um, I, I think it's just like 
that's the best advice I can give anyone who's going throughout their training and, and is aging like we all are is just to, to like keep honoring all the ranges of motion that your body has and your body will have a lot more um, reason to hang on to it. Right. And I think when you do get older, you, you can still make huge change in your body, but it is a little bit more challenging to get it back. Right. So make the smart decisions when, when you're a bit younger. That makes so much sense because you could look at this as maybe someone was an athlete in their younger years and then they either stop voluntarily or injury happens and then they don't use those patterns or perhaps they were in a form of employment that was quite active and they were using their joints through full range of motion, et cetera. But I agree with you. That narrative tends to be from people who aren't very actively involved in their training and their movement, but it's just really refreshing to see you go to say different parts of Asia throughout the world, people doing Tai Chi, they've got, they've got better range of motion than myself in, in certain joints, just because they've, they've done it, they've kept it up. And I just, I find that highly motivating personally, because it's like, I almost feel that if you're like in your twenties, thirties, forties, even fifties, there's not much of an excuse to have a decent base level of strength and physical attributes, but seeing people in their 60 plus, and they're still doing good stuff that, that really motivates me personally. Same here, man. Same here. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And we, I had a, uh, a person that worked with us. Her name was Linda and she's, she's a little bit over 70 and um, she is just incredible mover and so, so flexible. And like, she's still keeping at it. And um, you know, the reason being is like, she was a dancer, you know, like she, and she kept on like, she, she's done tons of different styles of dance over the years. Cause she kept on just like, okay, well, I want to try this out now. I want to try this out now. And it maintained like her joints. Like she's way more flexible than me. (laughs) So it's really inspiring, you know? Of course. And I thought, I think if you were to have a deeper conversation with her, she'd say something like, oh, I've always done stuff that I've enjoyed. I've been consistent. And that's the key to sustainability because we've got to be doing this stuff until the day we die in some way, shape or form. Yes. And that, like you said, like that's, that's the best way to keep on doing this stuff is to uh, keep finding that enjoyment. Right. And like, as long as you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to keep making time for it. Of course. And the conversation I like to have with students, it's always like, we're not about taking it super easy, but at the same time, not being at a state where we can't find ourselves sustaining it. So the classic Mm -hmm. example would be like nutrition, like dieting and you know, weight management is a multi-billion dollar industry that no one can can get right because it's not being sustainable is probably the biggest issue. Whereas it's finding that line of doing something you enjoy, which is challenging, but you can actually see yourself doing indefinitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That rings so true for me. Actually, just (laughs) to go on nutrition, uh, I, when I was like, when I was younger, I, um, I started like doing like tracking my, my calories and, um, 
or my macros, right. And doing this whole side of nutrition and it worked. Like I got like really lean. I had like, like a six pack for the first time in my life. And I was like, wow, this is great. But it was not sustainable for me. And it also like, it put me in such a weird headspace around food. Like I started to have like this weird relationship to food where I needed to know how many calories are in this thing. And um, like really it ended up being more detrimental to me than, than beneficial. Right. And I got to learn a little bit from that experience, but like now nutrition has turned into, like you said, like finding something that works for me and that, you know, is just sustainable. Right. And that I can be healthy for hopefully many years to come. And the tricky thing for people to grasp is that we live a healthy lifestyle. So of course, for the most part, we're going to be doing the generic whole foods from the different areas for overall health and well-being. But then I think it comes where people that have issues with this side of things say they can't have something, can't have Mm. something that's quote unquote unhealthy Whereas if you shift the perspective to be like, I'm choosing not to have it, I feel that that's a a better way to approach the situation. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And I think like the more you are focused on getting better and improving your physicality and stuff, the easier it is to say like, well, that's not going to support me in my goal so much, you know? And um, yeah, like for me, like I I really don't like to restrict myself much at all. Like pretty much allow myself to eat whatever I want, but because I'm really focused in like, what am I going after? I choose to eat pretty healthy. Right. I find that happens for most people in this industry. Cause yeah, through everything, it's pretty much experience. You know that, yeah, it might taste nice in the moment, but I mean, yeah. if you go to excess, it's going to make you feel lethargic. It's going <laughs> to X, Y, and Z. We all know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. But it's like, you got to keep learning that lesson sometimes over and over, you know, (laughs) for sure. And I remember saying, I'm not sure if you still do, but are you involved in like intermittent fasting these days or did you in the past? Yeah. Yeah. I've used fasting for quite, quite a long time now. And, um, I like, once again, like I try not to be too dogmatic about anything. So I'll, I'll, do phases where I fast and then I'll do phases where I'm like, all right, like I'm just going to eat whenever I feel like eating. But, um, fasting has been really, really effective for me. And, um, I don't have to think so much about like how much I'm eating or whatever. It's just like, I'm just like nourishing my body. I'm eating what feels good in this, in this like slot of time. Um, and yeah, yeah. Have you used intermittent fasting? Yeah. I've been using that for the last several years i just find it's just like you said great for scheduling it's great for keeping it relatively constrained without too much effort and it's nice just to be familiar with being a little bit hungry sometimes like yeah who would have thought wow you know yeah yeah absolutely and usually i feel way more focused um like to do work and, and to work out like uh, in the mornings into the afternoon when I'm fasting and that feels really good, you know? And then I, uh, and then I go into my time where I eat and then I can be a little bit more like, okay, I'm digesting. I'm a little more relaxed now, not doing as much and focusing as much. For sure. I think the other benefits, it's like, if you're say you've got a a busy day, it's, it's cool for that. If you're traveling, it's good for that. You can wait till you get to a 
a good restaurant with your friends as opposed to, oh, geez, yeah. it's, uh, it's 12.30. I better get that, you know, second or third meal in. It's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not super strict, which is, yes. Yes. Which is good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, issue that a lot of people have when they see the range of motion flexibility world is they look at that and sometimes they associate it with just passive stretching, gentle stuff. Mm. What's more popular these days is getting flexible and strong. What are your ways to go about doing that? Well, let's just say like for me, for instance, like I, I was never like very attracted to the passive stretching and the yoga and whatnot. Um, but I, I needed to, to make some change back when I was really stiff and I was fortunate to come across other methods, um, that could be used more, uh, as we use strength training essentially. And, and I think that it really has like awesome effects, um, for your body when you can really like control a range of motion and own a range of motion, your body kind of wants to give you that range of motion more when you're strong there. So yeah, like I've used things like dynamic stretching, loaded stretching, like we discussed earlier, using strength movements to stretch. Um, and I've found that to be a lot more effective and a lot more fun than just like sitting into passive stretching. And that's not to say that passive, passive stretching isn't good. I think passive stretching can be great, but if you tend to gravitate towards like doing something more like I do, then I think that other methods can be great. Do you have any prescriptions or rough protocols, guidelines for dynamic movements in terms of reps, time, etc.? cetera? Mm. I mean, I've used like, I, I, with great success, I've used um, dynamic stretching as a means of like, do 10 reps of something and then hold on that last rep for 10 to 30 seconds. Right. So, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of like an example here. Maybe we just say like for the hamstrings doing like a good morning motion, right? So you could kind of be just going like gently pushing yourself more and more into that, um, deep range of motion with like, making sure that you're, you're keeping the technique there, kind of hitting that 10 times. And then on the last one, hold for 10 seconds. And then you can kind of build that up over time. And, um, man, I just feel, I, I find that the body loves that and the body will give that, that new range of emotion to you. I like that simplicity of the approach as well. I've used that extensively with people and it's, it's yeah. great because it's, it just makes sense. And you can focus on less, I guess, variables and it's just, you have more confidence in what you're doing. You can focus on just increasing the range of motion or increasing the intensity, maybe through yeah. single leg, good morning, or adding load to the bilateral one. It just works. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's your thoughts in terms of when you do add load to the movement? It's a difficult one to convey, but how heavy should we go? Should we go super heavy? Should it be light? Mm, yeah. Um, like I think in, in any type of training environment, I'm always just gravitating towards starting with something that seems really easy um, because it gives you like a greater, uh, it gives you a greater platform to increase that over the course of your, your training. Um, so like with the, we'll just keep going on the good morning example, like, you know, add 
five pounds. Right. And that, that'll be super easy. It will probably like not even really change, um, like how the movement feels, but then the next week you can jump up to 10, the next week you can jump up to 15 and you're gradually like giving a little bit more workload to your body. Um, and what I've found is that my body likes that a lot more than if I was just to start with like 25 pounds and I'm kind of like pushing my limit there. And my nervous system is having a bit of a harder time and it's like taking me longer to recover from these workouts and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of ramping up. That is such solid advice. Cause I think we've all done it. We've all been guilty of it starting too hard, too soon. And like you're, you're two weeks into your program. And you're doing less range of motion, less yeah. weight. That's like, do I need a deload already? It's like, well, mate, you need, <laughs> you need to be more realistic. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been there many times. And yeah, I'm just now learning. <laughs> and probably the most clear way I can give a prescription for people in terms of how heavy should you go with a load. Yeah. I can't remember where I heard this, so I can't give the credit for the person or the resource, but it's the, the weight should permit, not restrict your range of motion. Mm, yeah, so yeah. let's, let's yeah. use your example of the good morning. It's like you've started, okay, maybe you've done the 20 pounds straight away. And there's a huge difference between how far you can go with the weight versus how far you can go, say body weight. But then if you were the sensible approach and use the five pounds, it'd probably be a lot closer to your unloaded range and that'll yeah. allow you to build flexibility and strength. Yes. Yes. That's, that's great advice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, back to something I said earlier, like paying attention to your breath, paying attention to um, like your, like some people will like grind their teeth when things get really hard or like make these faces and stuff. Right. So like, I'm always, that's one thing that I've um, like come to later in my, my training is that like, I want to look relaxed in my face when I do anything. Right. Maybe besides like going for a rep, one rep max or like a PR or something. Right. Then you can ah, like grit and, and go for it. But like, if we're just like trying to, you know, be making some change in our body, we're just like in our normal training state, like keep that face relaxed and, and uh, like feel good about your movement. Makes a lot of sense, especially for the range of motion stuff. If you're having that hesitation and just overall tension, then your nervous system isn't stupid. It's going to be like, I feel threatened. I'm not going yeah. deep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But with that said, Josh, I'd like to see you being that stoic on a set of handstand push-ups, though. That's <laughs> uh, different. It's like the, no change. No change different for the different types of training. Yeah. <laughs> What would you say are some of the limitations for traditional or linear strength exercise that we'd see in the gym, for example? This idea I've been having lately, or this concept has been like strength and conditioning was uh, one of the reasons why like strength and conditioning came about was to um, make you stronger for your sport, right? And to make you perform better at something that you're doing outside of the gym. So um, those movements can really build capacity and, and, and prepare you. But like you said, Daniel, sometimes 
super linear and sometimes we can really get stuck into these like one-way movement patterns essentially and um i think that honoring what the what the body can do honoring like all of the ranges of motion that we essentially have and it's a lot more than just being able to squat down and pull up right like there's like infinite different um there's infinite different, you know, just like trajectories that are, that are, uh, our body can take and that our spine can move and that our muscles can move through. And, uh, I really think that we, we can grasp a lot more of, um, how our body actually moves if we are choosing to put some of that into our practice. So those linear movements can really, really make you strong and they can make you uh, go out there and practice these other more organic movements uh, better. Is that the overall ethos, I guess, with your approach with say primal movements and just using your body in different ways? Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, you know, primal movement, another kind of catchy phrase, but, um, just something for me that represents like, uh, like we're kind of honoring the trajectory that the human like evolution has, has taken. Right. And like, you know, we used to do a lot more with our bodies now with like the age of technology and stuff, we can do a lot less and, you know, that's fine, but, um, we have a lot of different capabilities. And I think like when we, I think that when we go out there and we, we play with those and we, we, um, also like prioritize making that stronger as well, then like the whole system can kind of come up. Right. And, um, it also, for me, like in just a very practical sense has helped with range of motion and being more flexible and, um, asking my body to do more outside of just like the, this, the traditional linear movements. That makes so much sense because if we go back in time to when we used to have to hunt for food, et cetera, we'd be using our bodies all day in all these awkward, different positions, and it would have been built in to how we were functioning day to day. But I mean, these days, if you didn't want to move, you could sit at your desk, you could sit in the car to work. And then yep. the extent of people's, I guess, diverse movement would be 45 minutes in the gym, maybe three or four times a week, if you're lucky. And it just seems like the overarching message that you're getting across with your philosophy strength side is it's just, you can, you can have the best of both worlds. You should be doing strength-based movements, but also it's just so gratifying to just use it in different ways just because. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, I think that, I think that, yeah, you know, like there's these, these simple fundamental movements. Like sometimes we think of the fundamentals as like, um, can I squat? Can I push up? But there's also other things that, that essentially like make us very human. And it's like, can I move from like low to high, you know, like, can I crawl? Can I disperse my weight to the ground when I go down, AKA roll or fall or something like that. Right. 
And um, the, these movements can be so, so gratifying, um, but really like they're like the basics of what we learned as kids, like growing into our body. And then for a lot of people like myself, like you start playing with these, you start relearning these and um, you start to like feel different as well, right? It brings like a different quality than the, than the traditional strength training does. And with that different quality, it can really like change. Um, it can change like how you're feeling. It can change like your emotional state, your mental state. And I'm really big on like using these movements to kind of like nourish yourself and to take yourself out of sometimes just going for the sets and reps, but to get in more of a state of like, okay, like I just want to, um, keep my practice kind of open right now. I want to play a little bit. And, um, I think there's a lot of value in that for most people. As a listener, I agree with you hundred percent, but I'm sure that there's people hearing this and they're like, I accept all this. I think it's great, but how do I go about doing a few of the things and having it in my overall structure? So doing my body weight movements, doing my mobility movement stuff through a full range of motion, and maybe yeah. even doing some essential weightlifting stuff. What would you, how would you go about that conceptually? Yeah. Um, well, I think like, first off, the great thing is that they all support each other pretty well. Right. It's like, uh, the, and this is what I actually love about these practices, say like calisthenics and, uh, flexibility, and then doing some, some, some like animal flow type of work or whatever, this primal movement, whatever that you want to focus on there is that like, the primal movement can kind of give you some feedback of where you could improve upon for your capacity. So it's like, Oh, like I go to do this, this movement here. Like I saw this guy do on the internet. And like, when I do it, like I get stuck right here. Like, why is that? Oh, well actually like that's my hip mobility. So that gives me some feedback of, okay, I want to go put more time into my, my hip mobility. Right. And it's like, Oh, when I go here and I want to like do a cartwheel or something like I don't have the strength to push the ground away. Okay. Like I need more pushing strength. I need more straight arm strength, whatever. Um, so that's how these systems can really support each other. And, you know, in a, in more of like a, a way to come to, to actually like put this into practice and to combine it is just to really like, like I said earlier, like think about what do you want to focus on most, right? Prioritize that practice and then plug in those other, the, the other um, like aspects of this practice where you can, right? And sometimes like, for instance, for me, when I was first getting started, I was like so stiff that I knew that flexibility had to be my main goal if I wanted to be a better mover. So I was doing flexibility maybe four days a week, maybe five days a week. Um, now, right now, I pretty much have enough flexibility to do all the movements that I want. So right now I don't work on that so, so much right now. My main focus is more strength and doing just movement in the world. Right. That's a great response because our time and energy is finite, but then it's like, if you only did one discipline, you wouldn't have these, I guess, areas to be addressed or improved, be highlighted. So this is what makes the combination of a few disciplines so great is that you know what you're good at, but then you can identify the areas 
that should be having more of your time. You can invest more energy into that. And that's just a great way to look at it. That's really solid advice. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like that does kind of, that, that, that brings up the, the whole like specialist versus generalist conversation. Right. And um, that, I mean, I think that's such a interesting conversation. And I, I think that for me, like there is a middle ground there. I think sometimes we think of it as two different things, either you're a generalist or you specialize in something, but like, I think that you can pick a few things to specialize in and you'll never get as good at like one thing as if you just prioritized that thing and only did that, but you can get pretty darn like at a good level in um, two things or three things. Right. And that's kind of how I've chosen to, uh, to build my practice is to, um, to be, I think of it not so much as a generalist, but just to explore diverse things, right? Like I have different interests and I want to be, I want to be competent in a, in a few different things. It doesn't mean that I'm a generalist and I just, all right, like this week I'm going to play basketball and then next week I'm going to focus on weightlifting, you know, like that, that's not what the generalist mentality is. I don't think, I think it's just, um, like I said before, like honoring your, your capabilities as a human and making sure that, you know, you have a good, uh, good level in a few amount of things. That's a great way to look at it. Instead of just extremes, there can be uh, your level falls on a continuum. And that's really, I guess, refreshing for people to hear, to know that that's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say learning the handstand has taught you about your body? I mean, what first comes to mind is, is uh, more of like the cliche things, but completely true is like consistency, you know, persistence, uh, balance. Like I think before taking on the handstand journey, I had never really put that much time and effort into something as far as like frequency goes. And uh, it's really, really valuable to go through that experience. And, you know, I did that for, for a lot of years. I was doing handstands like four days a week, sometimes up to six days a week, you know. Um, and it's also taught me. So later in my practice, like I got to a point where uh, I was kind of like at the point where do I start training the one arm handstand, right? Or kind of tackled everything that comes in the two arm handstand realm. Um, and like, for me, I, I kind of went through this process, like I said earlier of that really asking myself, is that a goal? Is that something I want to do? And I, I, I was like, well, not right now. It's not internally motiv motivated right now. I don't want to do that right now. But at the same time, it was hard to let go of this, like this handstand identity that I had, because I was doing it so much, you know, something that every morning, you know, I have my coffee, do a little reading, and then I get to my handstands, right? And like, now, <laughs> now what do I do? Um, but, but what's beautiful about that is like, that's kind of like a metaphor for life of, you know, I let that identity go. And then it opened up like more avenues that I could explore. And I had more resources to um, put into other things. That is just 
invaluable advice of just that ability to identify and let go because it's it's it becomes a big part of your identity but being yeah. the person that you are i'm sure that you were aware of that then you replaced it with something else i think that if people try and hold on to too many things and keep piling on and on and on that's when you're not in a good place right right yeah have you so i'm interested have you like have you went through that experience of having to let let a skill go or you know something that you worked on for a long time most definitely and it's like i think it's even more important as you get stronger too because you are stronger so you build up more fatigue which would make it difficult right. to progress in other areas but it was like trying to juggle strength skills like your static positions like your your planche is a classic example while yeah. still trying to do other movements like high degree push-ups handstand push-ups yeah. and progress with weighted dips it's like something had to give and yeah. for me it was just stop doing the planche because i ticked it off in my own mind and then to progress it further would require sacrifice at the expense of doing other things so like not continuing the handstand journey which is what you did i shelved the planche and yeah pursued other strength stuff right man that's yeah that's it's a i think it's a necessary process for for everyone to go through in their training and um yeah like i said earlier like it's you also have to consider that if there's a time where you start getting really motivated by the the planche again, you can go back and, and, and play with it. Right. And um, yeah, nothing is absolute, I think, which no. is cool. And it comes back to your theme of the enjoyment piece. It was like, I did it. I wasn't enjoying it as much, but then it was like, yeah. because it was part of my identity as someone that achieved it or right. I had a program that I wanted to sell. Then you've got all these like, I don't know, just innate pressures that you put on yourself, but yeah, yeah, experience tells you, tells you otherwise, doesn't it? Right. Right. Well, what's great about video is that, uh, <laughs> like you achieve the skill and like, you always have that. Right. And <laughs> you don't have to like repeatedly, like prove to yourself for years to come that like, you know, I still have this thing. Right. No, you don't. It's, hard. it's hard to let it go, but, but it's, I think it's, it can be really good. Yeah. If you could go back in time, Josh, and give yourself some words of wisdom, what would you what would you tell a younger and more naive beginner? <laughs> um, man, that's a great that's a great that's a great question. Let's see. I would um, well, first off, I'd I'd tell myself to like enjoy enjoy what you're doing a lot more into um, try to find the balance between, uh, between, so there, there's, there's this concept that I really like. That's, that's kind of based on like becoming and being and becoming is when you're in the, in the gym and you're putting in the reps and you're trying to attain a certain skill or amount of strength or something. And then being is kind of the opposite of that, where you're, actually just enjoying the capability that your body has right now. It's a little bit more free flow. It can be more subjective and um, you really just try to be more present. Right. And it's kind of like this theme that I've been talking about of like having an activity or a sport that can kind of like put you in that, that state of, of not being super, super structured. Um, and 
I think that I've seen myself in my life, like bounce around to the extremes so much. And I think that like the, the real, the real ticket is to um, find some balance there and to spend some time like becoming because it feels really good. It feels good to be disciplined and to get stronger and to get more flexible. Um, but then to go out and enjoy that, because if I'm always just focused on becoming the next thing, then I'm never like being as present as I could be and just, you know, having fun doing what I'm doing in the world right now. Perfect. It was an absolute pleasure, uh, Josh from Strengthside. If you guys want to check out his stuff, all his links will be in the show notes and description if you want to hear more about his philosophy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Daniel. Really big honor to come on here and um, appreciate this awesome conversation. Look forward to seeing more of you. Likewise, man. Take care. Thanks everyone for listening. Visit fitnessfaqs.com to master calisthenics and become a bodyweight pro.